Welcome to the Side Hustle Project, a podcast where we explore the nitty-gritty details behind what it takes to start and grow a profitable side hustle. I'm your host, Ryan Robinson. In this podcast, I'm bringing you interviews with entrepreneurs, best-selling authors, CEOs, investors, and people just like you who are building and profiting from interesting side hustles. In today's episode, we're talking to Jordan Jones, who started Packed Party, her company that sells highly curated gift boxes like birthday packages that feature confetti, champagne glasses, bath bombs, earrings, and a hand-lettered card. Whatever the occasion, she has a packed party to match. Now in Austin, Texas, Jordan actually started the company back in 2013 while she was working a full-time job here in San Francisco. The idea for Pack Party came to Jordan one night while she was sitting in her bedroom on the phone with her mom complaining about her draining job. And when her mom told her she needed to stop having a pity party for herself, a light bulb went off. She thought, hey, maybe there's actually something to this concept of having a literal pity party. And so the concept for her first package was born, the Pity Party Box, which comes with candy chill pills, a mini pinata filled with lemon candies, a handwritten card from the sender, and a bunch of other goodies. Shortly after getting her idea off the ground, Jordan got an order from a mutual friend to create 10 party packages for a bridesmaid's party, and she kept growing from there. Packed Party now has over 76,000 followers on Instagram. Their products are sold in Nordstrom, Neiman Marcus, Paper Source, and 5,000 other retailers in the U.S. alone. Now Jordan's raising her first round of investor funding to continue growing the business. In this episode, we're talking about how Jordan continued following up again and again with buyers at Nordstrom and Neiman Marcus until they took a meeting with her. We're covering the strategies she uses to grow her engaged community on Instagram how she's gone about manufacturing her own product lines, and so much more. As always, you can find everything we mentioned in today's episode in the show notes at ryrob.com slash podcast. That's spelled R-Y-R-O-B dot com slash podcast. Let's get into today's interview with Jordan Jones from Packed Party. Jordan, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Ryan. All right. So I've got a warm up question for you that I've been starting with all of my guests. And I'm really curious to hear what book are you reading right now or what's been your favorite recently? Oh, gosh, that's hard. I feel like I kind of um, hadn't been reading as much as I should be this summer. I was just telling somebody that recently. But um, the last book that I finished about a month ago, I was reading The Magnolia Story, which really has nothing to do with business, actually. But uh, it was really inspiring to me. It was about the Fixer Upper couple because I, I don't watch the show Fixer Upper, but I was so inspired by obviously the empire that they built. And it was a really quick read, really, really quick read. And um, it was just inspiring. I'm always interested in hearing people's different ways of starting businesses and putting, you know, their brain babies out there. And, uh, theirs is, is definitely one I would recommend to anybody, whether you watch the show or I'm not even really into like HGTV or anything, but I, I did really enjoy their story and would recommend the book. So Jordan, you're based in Austin, Texas. Now I know you lived in San Francisco for a little while. Where are you originally from? I'm originally from Plano, Texas, and I moved in sixth grade to Chicago. So I'm kind of a half-breed Southern Midwestern girl. But um, yeah, I really, I consider Plano, Texas home. So what brought you back to Texas then? Yeah. So I started a company in San Francisco and um, Austin was just kind of always on my radar when I graduated and had never really made my way out here. It's just such an awesome city full of creativity and 
a lot of, you know, startups and, and just interesting people, but still kind of that small town, like community feel that, that I really missed kind of being, mm-hmm. um, in San Francisco and not knowing as many people. So Austin was kind of always on my mind as we grew. I just didn't quite expect us to move so quickly. So definitely happy to be back here. Awesome. So Packed Party is what um, originally brought me to you, and it's kind of what I want to focus our conversation around. So is Packed Party the first business that you started? It is. Yeah, it's the first really official business I started. I kind of had some like small businesses here and there that I did um, in high school and college, mainly college, but I was like making headbands at one point and I was selling lampshades to my friends that I was like decorating at one point. So none of those businesses like had names or anything like that. They were just kind of little side hustles um, and, and things that I would do for extra cash and enjoyed doing. But Packed Party is, yes, my first official company. Yeah. So tell us about what exactly it is or how you would describe it now. I'm sure it's grown a lot from its original roots. Yes, yeah, certainly. It's Packed Party is a lifestyle gifting brand. Uh, we're, you know, they online based based company, but we sell, of course, in retailers across the country. We make a little bit of everything from drinkware to travelware. Um, you name it, really, we make it. But we started with five themed party for one packages. That's what a packed party is. Um, and we sell them on our website, but of course, you know, the brand had just evolved and seen such an amazing response through social media platforms like Instagram. So we were really able to spread our wings and, and create, uh, the more that, that our customer was asking for in different categories. So today we make it all. <laughs> <laughs> and how did this idea originally come to you? Like where, where would you trace it back to? Was there a specific moment or was it kind of like a progression? No, it wasn't a progression at all. So my story is a bit unique. I had moved to San Francisco, didn't know a soul. I was working uh, down in Silicon Valley at a data analytics company and was kind of making the drive every day from the city down there. It, it just was such a long drive. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, not knowing many people. So I was pretty unmotivated and down on myself one evening and called my mom. It was a Friday night. And I was like, you know, I don't know anybody. I think I made a mistake. Like, why did I move to San Francisco? This job isn't quite what I thought, you know, it would be. And, and she said, you're having a pity party for yourself. Just go to bed. And it actually was the best advice I've ever really taken from my mom, because that night I woke up from a dream about sending myself a physical pity party for one (laughs) and came up with this entire business plan right there, turned on all the lights and my teeny tiny little bedroom and wrote out. I knew that I wanted packed party to be the name of the company. I sketched out what I wanted the logo to be and I still have the note. So I I literally wrote everything out. Um, it was kind of a mix and between my phone and sketching it out. And then I sold the idea into my dad the next day. So it really happened pretty quickly, which isn't, isn't very normal, uh, knowing what I know now, but I was so on an island, I really had nothing else to do but packed party there when I first had the idea. So it got 110% of my attention for, you know, four or five months, every single weekend, night, day. I just didn't know anybody. So mm-hmm. um, there was no distractions around it. I love that. So that original post-it note that you did some jotting down on, do you have that somewhere still? 
It's in your it's office. On, it's in my no, it's not. Uh, it's in my phone. And I, if you go back on Pack Party's Instagram, I've shared mm-hmm. a few photos of it that um, have been like cropped and cut out. I mean, you can go. We've never deleted any of our photos, so you can go all the way back to 2013 and see, of course, how much one our social media has evolved. So you can appreciate it now, absolutely. And uh, yeah, you can see the note there. So it's. It was, I mean, it's time stamped, right? Like I went to bed really early. So it's like this 11 <laughs> o'clock, I think is like the time on there sometime pretty early. It's not like some like 3 a.m. wake up call. It was it was still rather early on a Friday night, which again, just goes to say with uh, with my, what a huge dork I was at the time. <laughs> I mean, I just knew nobody. I was so, I was having a pity party for myself. So the idea of sending these pity party packages and themed party for ones, I scoured the internet and there was nothing like it concept wise. There was nobody selling these types of care packages on the internet. Um, there were subscription boxes, but I knew that pack party would be this really easy way for women to treat themselves and one another without kind of driving around and finding all these products, right. To make this great or highly curated um, care package. And just to note, we'll we'll definitely have the embed of that um, maybe embarrassing sticky note uh, picture in the show notes for the episode, <laughs> so everyone can awesome. check it out. Awesome! Yeah, I mean, don't don't look too far back in our Instagrams, and maybe <laughs> do it's they definitely were rough there in the beginning. We we've certainly come a long way, but I think not deleting them it just shows how mm. real our brand is. I mean, we I wasn't an expert when I started. I, I didn't have a ton of business experience. My major, I'd never even taken a business course in school. My major was strategic media and journalism. So I really was just building this company off of passion and, and a love for gift giving. So you mentioned it started as kind of like a pity party package, at least as the first one. So can you tell us like some examples of the kinds of products that come in yeah, packages? of course. Yeah. So items inside uh, each pack party package, like I said, we started with five on our website and each one comes with four to five full sized items themed around the party that you're throwing. So something like a pity party package today has like a when life hands you lemons pinata. And we've put things in there before, like self therapy flashcards and chill pills that are candy. <laughs> I, I mean, you name it. And the greatest piece about the packages is if your friend continues to have a bad day, it's not like you just have to send her a packed party once. We change inventory out like a grocery store. So every few months or few weeks, pending whatever the package is, item chain, items change so you can continuously send them to yourself or somebody else, good or bad. <laughs> <laughs> so all these products, are you currently making them yourself or are you sourcing them like at wholesale from other manufacturers? Uh, that's a great question. When the company first started, I was sourcing items from vendors, uh, which is how, of course, I've met so many amazing people I'm still friends with today. Companies like Sugarfina, I was calling Rosie and Josh when they very first started and they didn't even sell their candy in acrylic boxes. They were just like little plastic flimsy boxes, which Sugarfina has exploded. They're doing amazing things and Symbol press, they, they make the confetti push pop. So everything in the beginning was sourced from vendors. But as we continue to grow, um, a lot of people were, it's low barriers to entry, right? To put anything in a box. And so I saw a lot of people mimicking what I was doing. 
Uh, and I decided, you know what, like I understand my vendors, you know, need to get business. They can't be completely loyal to me when I'm ordering in fairly low quantities to change items out. I need to make everything inside my packages. So, um, fortunately for me, I'm very creative. I'm not good at a lot of things, but I'm very creative and was able to start making, call it 90% of the items inside of our packages. So uh, whether that was private labeling or actually manufacturing on our own, and that really set us apart with the packages there. And and that led me to where we are today. So it kind of allowed me to dip my toe into the manufacturing and the designing piece. And then I was able to really say, okay, this is this is what I'm really passionate about is designing products that make life a party. So while the packages are our signature item and, and how packed parties started, it, they allowed me to evolve into really the bread and butter of what we're doing today, which is designing everything. So jewelry came, our doorstep necklace came pretty quickly. That was the first non-packaged item that we rolled out. The response to that was amazing. It's a doorstep that we hand engrave with whatever numbers you call home on a necklace. And then uh, came our disco drink. And then we we have a full line. And we're right now talking about brainstorming for fall 2018. So we work pretty far in advance. Um, each line has now between, I don't know, 15 and 25 products. So we have to be very creative. I mean, the gift space, anything can really be considered a gift. So we have to really set our ourselves apart in a marketplace. It's a little bit different now than in just making products to go inside the packages. Yeah. You've been very busy. I can tell. Just a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Do you remember back to who your first customer was your first paying customer? Yes. Yeah. It was, um, it was this girl who I didn't even have a website up yet. She knew me through a friend of a friend from college and she ordered, I think it was like 10 or 11 bridesmaids packages. And I didn't even buy, I was so excited to get the order. Like I bought a mix of things at full price and wholesale because I was just so excited that somebody (laughs) believed in this concept and wanted to act, you know, very professional and not tell her no. And I packed them right there out of my teeny tiny little apartment. I like moved, I lived in the maids quarters of this place so you can get a visual, right? It's the San Francisco total living and uh, moved the couch out of the way. I had all these packages set up. They took up my whole living room and placed everything in there really strategically and, and got them out. And she Instagrammed them and then, you know, turned around one of those girls, you know, ordered. And it just was that snowball effect from there in 2013. So yeah, I won't forget it. It was my, my first person. It actually it wasn't a family member. It wasn't an actual friend. It was really somebody reaching out to me over Instagram. Wow. Yeah, that's very telling, I guess, of a lot of things to come for you too. Did Instagram kind of instantly grow into like your best sort of growth channel or was there something else that kind of slid in there as like a growth channel for the business early on? It was a mix. So Instagram was a huge piece of the brand in the beginning. Uh, you know, free marketing is is amazing for any business. And I had no money to put towards, you know, PR or, or marketing spends. So AdWords, anything, I had nothing. So I was like, all right, I need these pictures to look real good. And I had no experience in photography. So Instagram, it was very important. But I also, um, within my first, I don't know, I think it was like two weeks of having the idea about Pack Party, I wrote a BuzzFeed article about myself in the community section. And um, 
it's, I think it's still up there. I'm pretty certain you can find it, but I wrote it in third person, which is so psycho, but (laughs) my background in, in strategic media really helped me because all of a sudden I had kind of fooled several of my friends and they're like, Oh my gosh, like you're on Buzzfeed. And I was like, I wrote that about myself, but this whole thing, I mean, it was, it's silly to look back on, but it got, I think it was like 3,000, 3,200 something hits that day. So it was a really, really amazing response. I went through, I shared it on every single person I knew's uh, Facebook wall. This is when like people at the time were still really, really heavily using Facebook. Um, Mm -hmm. I think they still are obviously, but, but at the time, just my friends and things. So yeah, I shared it on everybody I knew's wall and I was going to make myself go viral. Right. (laughs) I just, I had to do anything I could to get the word out about this idea. And, and that was a really important or key thing definitely that I did early on. I don't even think that's a huge (laughs) takeaway. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I'm just being scrappy. Absolutely. I mean, no need to sit around and wait for people to like write about you, throw press your way, go out there and make shit happen. <laughs> and write it yourself, right? Exactly. <laughs> My gosh. So yeah, now I mean I can I can be pretty transparent about doing that, but certainly in the beginning I was like, Oh, this was either the best idea or the worst idea ever. But I, I don't regret anything that I did. I mean I I rode the bus in San Francisco with like flyers, you know, where I knew my customers or girls that would potentially be my customers were riding the bus Mm -hmm. and like just areas that were high traffic with boutiques and other places that I knew my brand would play well with. So I'd ride the bus, leave all the flyers in each seat and then get off the bus. (laughs) I did some pretty crazy stuff. But again, I just, I knew that my brand would be, I was so confident in my company and pack party being so well received by people. I just knew we needed to put it in front of them and I was willing to do whatever it took, um, to get, get the word out. Yeah. And it's been paying off clearly. Uh, today I was just checking your Instagram. You have 76,000 something followers. So yeah, what would you say has been, what would you say has been like your, your biggest channel for growing your followers on Instagram? Has it been kind of just like one-on-one engagement with people or have there been like big spikes and features on other accounts, anything like that? It's a mix again. So, um, some will have like features in TV spots. Like we were on Kathy Lee and Hoda and then all of a sudden turn around and we've got several hundred new followers or we worked with Reese Witherspoon's company, Draper James. And, you know, Reese Witherspoon is about, for National Brunch Day and they're posting about us. And the next thing we know, you know, it's, we've got another couple thousand followers. So I think it does come some with spikes and again, just having good consistent content. So you're consistently growing is, is important too. So we don't go a day without posting in four years. We've never gone a day where we just didn't post. So it takes a lot of commitment. What kinds of benefits do you personally feel like you're experiencing from staying very active on Instagram? Is it like translating directly into sales or is it kind of community building? I mean, personally, right? Social media is is so difficult. I think we live in a society where people are so buried in their phones. So I think it's a terrible thing on one side, but it certainly helps get the word out about my brand. So I can't hate on it too much. And it, it definitely uh, directly correlates to sales. So we'll post about something or, you know, we'll get the word out there about something on an Instagram story or Twitter. I mean, I mean it's, it's all platforms. I'm really focusing right now just on Instagram, but Pinterest is big too. So we can share images and put the message that we want to put around those images and uh, 
watch the results kind of come in. So it's not always instant, but it's we can push products that we need to push or want to push and and see the results pretty quickly. So shifting gears a little bit, I saw that you're now selling your products through uh, brands like Nordstrom, Neiman Marcus, Paper Source, Toss Designs, like a lot of really recognizable retailers. So how mm-hmm. did you make these happen? Or if you want to focus on like one, maybe, how did you make it happen? Yeah, uh, just honestly, relationships. So Nordstrom's, Neiman Marcus, Paper Source. Paper Source is a great example because they... Um, I was a huge just fan of theirs. I still am. And, and their store was one that I frequented when I first started Pack Party quite often. So much so that their their manager there in San Francisco, she like gave me a ladder that had, you know, that they hung like all of their, they used as a display and hung all their paper on. She's like, you're buying so much paper from us. We've got this extra ladder. Do you want it? I was like, all right. <laughs> I don't know if this is embarrassing or amazing because I was taking so many photos and and buying their paper to take the photos on. So it was, um, it was definitely, it's come full circle now, of course, because we're in their stores and we have such a great relationship with them and and so many of the the people that we work with, but it just came over time and being persistent and, you know, going to meet them in person and following up, maybe even when I didn't get an answer and just not taking a no for an answer. It was just like, Every no was another opportunity to find a new product or a new way to get there. So I never really let anything hurt my feelings because not every product is going to be a home run inside every store. But um, knowing to just keep at it, I think that's it serves me really well. And maybe it's a horrible trait, too. I, I sat down with them. I was at their home office in Chicago and I was sitting with a couple of their buyers and I was like, you know, if I do not come through the door, I'm coming through the window. Like you will hear from me <laughs> if, you, if y'all don't answer the first email, you know, I'm going to reach out and they were dying laughing. They're like, great, come through the window. I'm like, all right, well, you guys know me well enough to know at this point, I'm not, I'm not totally crazy, but, but I do believe in a lot of the products that we're creating. And I know that they'll resonate with a lot of the customers inside these large retail stores. So a lot of times it's just catching somebody at the right time. And it's not personal. It's just, um, you know, going to grab coffee with them and and making it a personal relationship or sending another follow-up email, even though it might be a little bit awkward. I think persistence is really important in working with the big guys. Do you remember how many times you had to follow up with one of those major retailers before you actually closed a deal with one of them? Um, yeah, yeah. (laughs) It depends on who the retailer was, right? Like I can remember before we had worked with Nordstrom, I looked into getting a billboard outside of their headquarters. (laughs) I'm, I'm not kidding, but like you thought the bus was crazy. I just, we want to get our products to the masses and um, there's certain retailers that, that I knew that, that our products and our brand would work well in. So yeah, it takes a lot of follow up. I mean, between probably 10 and 20 mm-hmm. emails pending the product and, and you have to really, really be careful and not cross that line of being completely annoying. I was just at Neiman Marcus's headquarters in Dallas. I was sitting down with their buyers and, they were so incredibly kind and just um, really patient with me. I was asking all the questions and I just, I'm really transparent. So if I don't know something, I'm just going to straight up ask because it doesn't serve anybody any, and it doesn't do anybody any favors if we're all talking about something and I have no idea because I'm the only person there, right? Like I need to come back and effectively communicate with my team and, and be asking every kind of question, right? If it's not a ceramic plate that you're looking for, is it like, 
a ceramic trinket tray, just every kind of question. So um, I'm fortunate again in that I've got these great relationships with these these buyers now, but they they certainly came over time and then just asking for the order in person really and saying, you know, I really believe in these products. And I also, I don't send them products that I don't think would work inside their stores. I mean, if, if I'm sending them something, it's not in mass or because, you know, I'm like begging for an order. I really believe it's going to work there. So I think that authenticity comes through, um, in working with people too. It's not, it's not forced. It's really real. And I, I hope, I like to think that if, they know if I'm emailing them, it's something that I believe will work there. And are you selling through their actual retail locations or online only? Both, both. So um, we will be in Neiman Marcus's holiday catalog this year. You can also shop it in store. It just depends on the product. If you walked into Nordstrom's today, you can find our product uh, in the gift section. I think it's upstairs in most stores. Um, So it's really, you can find it a little bit of a mix everywhere. So online some, and then in stores on others and some products, it's again, a mixed bag, like something may just be online only something maybe just in store only. So do you know about how many retailers you're selling through now? Yes. So we are in over 5,000 retailers, uh, large and small. And and that's, you know, since starting our wholesale business. I mean, we weren't able to wholesale when we first started our packages, but since creating our line, um, we've really seen a lot of success in working with large retailers. And of course, you know, mom and pop retailers too, in these towns, a lot of, a lot of people that buy packed party don't have access to somewhere like Nordstrom's or Neiman Marcus in their town. So we love working with small businesses and getting our products to their customers too. Those are really fun for us and their stories. Um, of, of having pack party and seeing it succeed are always really special to me. Cause my mom, I grew up, she was a buyer in a store and, um, I was like a little shop kid, like handing out candy behind the counter, right. When somebody would check out. So small businesses are, are equally as important to us here. All right. So one thing I'm really curious about, especially with your kind of business. So you sell directly to consumers through your website and you also mm-hmm. sell to um, retailers as a wholesaler. So what portion of your business is bringing in more revenue for you right now? So like the direct consumer stuff or through major retailers and other small businesses? Gosh, it's about half and half, quite honestly. So I mean, our online business has grown as we've grown. Uh, and then of course it, it depends on when you ask me, our online business is certainly caught up, um, because we just exploded once we were doing like a lot of the wholesale and then people were finding out about our brands or our brand inside, you know, these stores, right. They were seeing pack party. They were coming back to the retailer. They were looking for it. If the retailer didn't have it, then they were going to our website. So it's, it was today. It's pretty even, but there for a little while, our retail or wholesale business was a lot larger um, than our online business. But I think it's because we're still so early stage. I mean, I'd like to say it's going to be even forever, but that's, that's probably not accurate. I mean, I think it'll always ebb and flow. A lot of businesses right now, um, you know, everybody kind of knows what's going on in, in retail, but a lot of businesses are just taking all of their products online only and not, not selling them uh, into retail stores. So it's, it's definitely been an interesting time to have a brand like ours and, you know, try to kick off a wholesale business. Yeah, I can imagine it's a challenge growing a business like that. So one thing I'm curious about also is have you raised any funding to grow the business at all? 
Yeah, we're, we've been self-funded uh, up until now, and we are in the process of raising our first seed round. So that's been going on here for about the last month and a half, and um, we, we should be locking that in here pretty quickly. So it's a really exciting time. Uh, it's the first time you know that I really had to step back and decide that we needed to raise the money, and, and we had a good story to, to raise it. Um, and had a lot of really early interest from strategic people. I think, you know, raising money is such a double-edged sword. So many people will say, oh, yeah, you have to raise money, right? Even if, especially in San Francisco, you're going and starting a donut shop, people are like, how much have you raised? <laughs> so I think um, there is, you live in San Francisco, so you know that. But I think there was a few people when I first started that kind of looked down their nose at me for not raising capital pretty early. And and for me, I just wanted to build out the brand how I envisioned it, right? I knew we were going to become this lifestyle gifting brand. And I I didn't want to answer to a lot of people pretty early on. Now today, having established, you know, these retailer relationships, um, an amazing customer base on our website, and really have a firm idea of what Packed Party is, I think it's a better case for me specifically to raise money. And it's less risk for an investor. Of course, I'm not not raising money. Like, Oh, we, we have this idea for this company called packed party. We think, right. It might work. Like we have a proven product. It's working and the ball is, is rolling. So raising money, I've said a couple of times is like changing a tire. And while you're driving a hundred miles an hour, it's, it's very uh, time consuming, but at the same time, it's extremely important to find the right person for your business. I mean, they're, they're interviewing you, but you're certainly interviewing them because, creative people and brands and ideas are not as easy to come by money is. So Mm -hmm. for us, it was really important that we took the right money and smart, smart capital from somebody. Um, And I think we found that person. So stay tuned, uh, certainly in the next couple months. So if if we do lock down this money and um, add some an advisory board and some investors, so we'll, we'll definitely be growing a little bit more hiring too. So (laughs) How do you plan on using the money you're raising? Yeah, it's a great question. So, um, some there's there's kind of two sides of the money that we're two pieces of the puzzle that we're using the capital for. One is really just infrastructure, so building out our sales team and uh, you know hiring just some really great people to go and work these trade shows and get on the phones every day and and work right with retailers big and small and kind of separate that out because at this level it's very difficult being a small team to manage all of these relationships. And then um, also, of course, to finance the trade cycle and, and create the product. So it's it's a seed round. Again, it's a pretty small uh, round of capital that we're raising. But in my mind, it's going to take us pretty far. And, and we'll be able to kind of give whomever that person is a return on their investment investment fairly quickly. So we're excited. Awesome. Yeah. We're excited to watch and see what happens too. So Jordan, I want to transition over to a couple of my frequently asked questions that I've designed to be intentionally short on my end and your responses do not need to be equally as so. Okay. (laughs) All right. What's What's been the most difficult challenge you've faced growing your business? Oh gosh. I'm really getting the word out about pack party. And as scrappy as I am, I think having limited dollars to get the word out about a brand and really pull it out of thin air has been really difficult for me. It's, it's certainly taken me out of my comfort zone in 
you know, going to different events and meeting the right people. And that's every single time I have stepped out of my comfort zone. Those are the moments that some magic has happened. I can remember going to an event at or the Rebecca Minkoff store. And um, I had a girl that I was fairly, I, I was acquaintances with, friendly with, but she kind of threw me into Rebecca Minkoff and said, Jordan, Rebecca, you have to meet each other. You both started your businesses like off your bedroom floors. Like you need to know one another. And we're both kind of staring there, standing there, staring at each other blankly and like, all right, I guess we should work together. And the next <laughs> thing I know, you know, we were taking over all of Rebecca Minkoff stores and doing this really awesome festival program with them and doing kind of gifts with purchase in stores and all the stores, you know, nationwide were decorated with our packages and those types of things, just being really creative, um, but putting myself in the position to do so. Right. Because again, Mm -hmm. when you don't have hundreds of thousands of dollars to spend on marketing or PR, it's, you've got to get creative and that definitely requires being uncomfortable, but it's always worth it. So, um, getting the word out about the brand has, has always been a challenge, but one that I've met with a lot of excitement, um, and just always the best things have happened. Really. I I can't say that enough when I've, when I've been uncomfortable, I'm always like, something's coming. (laughs) (laughs) So it's, it's always hard, I think for anybody, but just being scrappy and unafraid. I think so many people are terrified of what other people will think. Um, because when you have just creativity comes from such a deep place within, right? Any idea that you have, it's a little bit nerve wracking to tell somebody, whatever that idea is. But once you get it out there, it's like, well, what's the worst thing they're going to say, right? It's, and if I would have listened to anybody early stage about like, mm, maybe don't call it pack party or maybe I should have, right? But I didn't and I, I just did it. And it's, that's the hardest part for so many people is starting. So I'm, I'm really glad in the beginning, I just kind of ran with it. Do you have any particular strategies or pieces of advice for people out there listening today who want to get their first 100 customers? First 100 customers. It depends on the type of business that you have. So obviously my business is, um, you know, it's millennial women. Like I needed to figure out where they were spending their time. If it was Instagram, whatever it is, identify your customer, figure out where they are. You know, if, if it is like, if you need to scrape together a little bit of money to be in parenting magazine because you're selling this you know, first baby kit, like that, that might be really important for you. So identifying and doing some homework about where your customer lives and and what they're interested in will be really important for me. Um, my, my customer was on Instagram, so it made a lot of sense. Somebody else that may be Facebook. So I think the first hundred customers are difficult to get. But once you're at that 100 number, don't even set a time frame on it because then all of a sudden you're rushing out with too many products and then you've got even larger problems because you're carrying a bunch of inventory you can't afford, right? And it's collecting dust and dollars. But I think really, really taking a deep dive at who it is that you're targeting and figuring out how it is, how you're going to get a hold of them is really important. All right, Jordan. Well, this is my last question for you. What's been the best investment you've ever made in the context of growing your business? And it could be in the form of time, money, online tools, products, services, teammates, or otherwise. Oh gosh, that's a really hard question. I, there's so many. I'm, literally, you just touched on everything. I, I might have 
mentioned. <laughs> of course, we have invested so much time in our team and in this business and countless hours. This team is everything. But I, I actually was asked this question um, in the last 24 hours at a dinner with a brand ambassador that I was able to kind of re-sync up with. And she was like, what's the best investment that you made? We were talking about how journalism majors, they weren't really required to take a lot of graphic design classes. And for me, uh, when I first started Pack Party, I think you know, email acquisition is such a huge piece of business. I had no idea how to make an emailer. So whether you are, and this is a weird answer, I realize, Ryan, so I apologize. But um, I think it's a really important tool. And I hired a task rabbit when I was in San Francisco, the very early stages of my business. And I met with him a couple of times. It was super cheap for me to do so. And he taught me in a Starbucks right there. Little did I know my, my first office would be above the Starbucks. But he taught me right there how the heck to use Photoshop, InDesign. And those are tools that I know very, very well today. So I was able to market my product for a really low cost, right? And send out emailers uh, to all these people. And, and then also editing my photos, right? So for my website, you know, taking backgrounds off photos, all of those types of things and, and running my website. So those were really big. They were small investments, but they were big investments of time and just kind of my ego too, just saying, you know what, I don't know everything. And I didn't want to depend on somebody else. I think so many people start businesses and they're like, oh, I'll just you know, outsource this, this, and this. And they're so focused on kind of all the wrong things for me. I was like, I'm going to go and be a sponge and learn every single thing I can. So I'm not dependent on anybody this early, which is, which is not a great thing uh, as you grow. But certainly early on, I, I didn't have the money to go pay a graphic designer, right? To make these beautiful emailers for me or make some really amazing website for me. I needed to figure out how to shoot the images from my website myself, put text on them, all those types of things. So there's some really great resources out there for people like Fiverr, TaskRabbit that I use, um, even just investing in a friend or if you're in a school or if you're in a town with a local community college or school, going and taking a class. But I think having some amount of, of knowledge on any of those Adobe programs is really important um, in starting a business. It certainly was for me. I think that's awesome parting advice. Jordan, thank you so much for joining us. Can you tell yeah. everyone listening today where they can go to learn more about you, Pack Party, and everything you're up to? Yeah, absolutely. So anybody that is interested in, of course, shopping our brand, you can head to packedparty.com. Follow us on Instagram, which we have talked a lot about. Go ahead <laughs> and do the full creep. We're just at Packed Party. We are at Packed Party on Pinterest, uh, Twitter, you name it. We're pretty easy to find. A lot of color, a lot of confetti. Can't mess up. <laughs> awesome. Thank you again for coming on the show. Thank you, Ryan. If you enjoyed this episode of the Side Hustle Project, I would love your support. Head on over to the Apple Podcasts app and give us a rating. And as always, you can catch every episode of the Side Hustle Project on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for tuning in.